Welcome to the New Money Habits Podcast, where we talk about how to create a better plan for your money so you don't have to live paycheck to paycheck. Here are your hosts, Sarah Jones and Nino Villa. Welcome back, budgeteers. Coach Nino Villa here. Alongside me, it's Sarah Jones, my partner on the airways, as always. Hi, Sarah. How are you? And what's going on in your crazy around the country adventures? <laughs> hey, Nino. Hey, everyone. Um, you know, doing all right today. Um, I will say I grew up on um, the river bottom and used to a lot of deer, a lot of wild animals, you know, coming. I grew up seeing a lot of nature and wildlife. The place that we are staying at right now, the amount of deer that just hang out is I haven't seen this quantity in a really long time. And there are some brand new babies still have the spots on them. And gosh, darn it, aren't they the cutest things ever watching these little baby deer run all over. So, and the fireflies, the amount of fireflies that, that are here, it's incredible. I go out and record them almost every night. Just, well, you know me, I like the creatures, right. And looking Mm -hmm. for all the the fun things, but uh, it's been really enjoyable. And, and can I just say it? It's nice. It's a nice reminder to kind of take a step back and to enjoy some of these little things, some of the things that we might take for granted or that we might not notice in everyday life. Um, this has been a really good reminder for me to just slow down, step outside, and see what nature has to offer. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm a, I'm on the verge of having to ask you to stop sharing though, because I'm about to like <laughs> throw my entire money plan out the window and just like. Pack the, the the family up in the car or whatever, and make our way to where you are because uh, that sounds amazing. Uh, but I can't go blowing up my money plan because uh, a trip to Tennessee is not in our our plan right now. So mm. we need to stop well, that. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> All said in love and fun and just, uh, right. you know, that sounds amazing. It, it, it sounds utterly amazing that I just want to like drop everything and <laughs> head to where you are, especially now that it's becoming summertime here in Phoenix. See, you, you got out of Phoenix a couple of months ago. You were smart. You were wise because, you know, now we're in the triple digits <laughs> and it's just going to mm-hmm. keep creeping a little higher and higher. And I usually tell everybody I'm fine to about 105, 105, like. It's hot, but like I can handle it. I don't know what happens at 106, but at 106 and hotter, I'm like <laughs> this is just so. Oh, now luckily we haven't hit that just yet. It's been like 101, 102, mm-hmm. but it's flirting with 106 and hotter. Hmm. I'll be honest, I'm a little jealous. I am literally wearing a jacket today because it's chilly. And storms have come through, <laughs> but the humidity, the humidity is still a thing. And at 86 degrees outside with 86% humidity, it's like something I can't describe. It's, it's not, su- I'll take the dry heat. I really will. There is a difference, folks. Like, if you don't believe me, I'm telling you, I've lived in both. There really is a difference. There there really is. I think I may have shared before, uh, but I think it bears repeating. In 2017, we did a um, a uh, cross 
country trip to see family in, in Buffalo, New York. Uh, and, and we drove out there, we drove back. And on the way back, we stopped off in New Orleans. And um, when we left New Orleans in the morning, we stopped at um, Baton Rouge in the mm. afternoon in July. <laughs> um, I never appreciated dry heat more than getting out of the car in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Yes, it is a dry heat. There is some moisture in the air, but we're talking maybe 15 to 30% humidity. It's like nothing. So oh. I'll take it any day of the week. <laughs> so right. will I. Yeah. So let's dive into today to, to today's topic. Wow, that's a tongue twister. Let's dive into today's topic. Um, we wanted to take some time. I know, uh, Sarah, you and I both uh, have like this this interesting perspective on today's topic because it's like it, it seems relatively uh, rudimentary, uh, very basic, but at the same time, it's completely foundational to anybody and everybody's entire money situation. And so today we're going to talk about knowing your actual numbers, your true household income and what that actually means and how it, it kind of plays into your money plan. But before we do that, don't miss out on the valuable financial insights that we share here on the New Money Habits podcast. Subscribe today and unlock a wealth of knowledge to empower your financial journey. Stay up to date with the latest episodes as Sarah and I discuss practical tips, host expert guests, and have thought-provoking discussions on all things money-related. Hit that subscribe button now and join our community of savvy listeners. Also, are you ready to take your financial growth to the next level? Schedule a free discovery call with Sarah or myself today. During our personalized session, we will discuss your specific financial goals, gain clarity on your challenges, and explore how working with a financial coach can accelerate your progress. Don't miss out on this valuable opportunity. Book your free discovery call now and create the new money habits needed to achieve financial freedom. All right, so what do we mean Sarah, when we say uh, know your numbers, your annual household income, what what does that even mean? Well, I think where this kind of spurred, this topic spurred was I had had a conversation and many, but recently with somebody and they didn't know what numbers were on their pay stub. They didn't really even know what their pay stub was. They really didn't know how much they made per year. They knew how much they made per hour, but hadn't done any of the other, and I'll, I'll call it research, right? To see what, how much do I actually make in a year or wh where is my pay stub, right? And what's being taken out? What am I paying for before I get my paycheck in? And, you know, it, it actually kind of took me back a little bit, Nino, because this really is, basic financial literacy. And I really want to make sure that we get this information out to people, right? We talk about financial literacy and learning, but this is really this, like you said a minute ago, this applies to every single person. Every Absolutely. single person. 
you know, the word I used a few moments ago is it's foundational, right? It, mm-hmm. it, if you don't understand what you have coming in and what, what impacts that income, right? Because there's, there's a difference, and we'll talk about it in just a moment. There's a difference between your gross income and your net income. And if you don't understand what you have coming in, how can you then effectively plan for what needs to go out? And so without this fun foundational uh, understanding of gross versus net income and what your annual household income is, it, it, it makes it more difficult to manage money well and effectively because you're missing an important piece of the equation. So let's start by defining the difference between gross and net income. What does that look like? Hmm. Well, gross is basically the whole. Um, I like to break it down in easy, easily digestible pieces. And this is what you make before any deductions, any taxes, anything is taken out. Um, so if you're on a salary per month, it's basically what that salary is times 12 months a year. Gross, right? You can add on any bonuses or, you know, if you receive bonuses. Um, so it's before anything else is taken out. That's, that's the, the, the full piece, the big, the whole pie, so to speak. Yeah, I think, you know, another way to put that is whether you're hourly or you have an annual salary, it's kind of the number that you agreed to be compensated. But again, without anything being deducted from it just yet. So if you are hourly and you negotiated, you know, $16 an hour, well, that's your gross pay. $16 $16 an hour. When you multiply that by the a number of hours that you've worked in a week and then you get paid, unfortunately, it's not just a simple 16 times 40 equals number because there are going to be deductions. And the same thing for a salary. If you've negotiated your salary to be $77,000 for the year, well, when you add up all of the paychecks or the direct deposits that you received throughout the year, whether you're paid monthly, bi-weekly, regardless, it's not going to equal $77,000 because that is your gross pay. And there are a bunch of things being deducted, taken out of your pay to pay for things like, and we'll get into all of these, but to pay for things like healthcare, a retirement plan, if you're contributing to it, whatever that is. But these are all being um, taken out of your paycheck and then you are left with the net so gross, what you agreed to be paid, net, what you're actually being paid after all of your deductions. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people get frustrated with the net. <laughs> <laughs> Guilty right here. I get frustrated with the net. So let's dive in to some of the things that are being um, taken from your paycheck that is driving your gross income down. And let's see what control we have over some of these things. Cause we do, I think, I think one of the biggest misconceptions here is that, well, why are we even talking about there's talking about this? There is nothing I can do about it. That's exactly why we're talking about it because there are plenty of things that you can do to influence the difference between your gross pay and your net pay. And the first starts off with income tax. Mm -hmm. 
And I think mm-hmm. this is probably why most people are frustrated with the net number because good old Uncle Sam is putting his hand way down into your pocket and grabbing a good old chunk of your money. Yeah. And unfortunately, <clears throat> we all have to pay him. <laughs> and I just well, want to say... Without getting too political, do we all need to pay income tax? Um, I'll leave it at that and we'll move on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I'll say this too, guys, that this applies whether you work for somebody else, you are a W-2 employee, or you are a 1099 contractor, or you own your own business. Now, some of these things will be a little bit different depending, but that's why I said it applies to everybody. I think there is this misconception with people and small business owners, and we're not going to talk a lot about that today, but you still have deductions taken out of the income that your business makes, right? And you are still liable for a lot of these um, these areas. So I just want to throw that out there that it doesn't matter if you're W-2, 1099 contractor, or a business owner, you still have a lot of these deductions that you are responsible for. That's right. Yeah. And for me, income tax is frustrating just because I think the system is really weird and whatnot. But we do have control over federal income tax and state income tax, if that applies, how much of that is being deducted. And so, you know, through the filing of, if you're a W-2 employee and you work for somebody else, through the filing of your W-4 form with your human resource department, you can kind of dictate whether or not the, the federal government takes more or less money. And that should all be based on whether or not you're getting a federal tax refund at the end of the year, or if you owe, because if you owe, you probably want to actually send off more money to the federal government just so you don't owe. But if you're getting a large tax refund, it means you're sending the federal government more money than you have to through your payroll deductions, and you could adjust it so that you can actually bring more of that money home, essentially giving yourself a raise instantaneously. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an area that not a lot of people know about or feel comfortable with making those decisions. And I love that we're talking about it because um, you really do have, again, it puts some control back in your own hands that that um, you can make some of these choices, guys, right? And I think sometimes we just forget or we don't know or we're scared. Um, I'm going to encourage you to not be scared, but do your research, right? Really look at what options you have and how that might benefit your family. Yeah, absolutely. A couple of other taxes that you're going to see come out of your paycheck, out of your gross pay that you have less control over are things like Social Security tax and Medicare tax. These are just taxes that are essentially going into entitlement programs to help out with future retirement if the government has to step in and and pay you retirement funds. And Medicare tax, same thing. It's all going into a pool of money to help those who need assistance with healthcare, but you don't really get to control those the same way you can federal income tax because it's just a set percentage of how Mm -hmm. much is being taken. Yeah, for sure. For sure. A couple other things that you do have control over. And uh, this one I want to give a little bit of uh, attention to because I think there are a lot of either misconceptions or the information is just so big and uh, th- that we don't ask the right questions or or we focus on the wrong things. And that is 
health insurance. If you are provided health insurance through your employer, you are being you are being charged some portion of the premium, the monthly premium, as a deduction from your paycheck. But typically, that's not just a oh, it's two hundred bucks every paycheck and that's it. There's usually a lot more that goes into how much is being deducted from your paycheck and why. Yeah, and it all goes back, you know, to what plan you choose. Um, you know, if your company offers different options, you know, it goes back to what plan you choose. There are a ton, I have found, uh, a ton of add-ons, too, that greatly affect, you know, your um, what's being taken out. And I just want to say that, in my experience, people focus on the amount that's being taken out and not the coverage. And I really want to just say this real quick, guys, that I really, really want you to pay attention to what your coverage is because it helps you in your, I'm going to use quote, normal everyday life in your budget, your money plan, right? It, it, it allows you to know how much you need to plan for medical expenses. What is your deductible? What is your out-of-pocket expenses? How much do prescriptions cost in doctor's visits? You really need to know those things so you can plan monthly more effectively. And it all comes back to your health insurance premiums and what options for coverage, what plans are available to you. So I don't want you to take these things lightly. If you don't know, if you have questions, then I want you to dig before you sign up for anything. Dig, ask the HR, call the companies, make sure that you have the good information that you need before you just sign up because it really does affect your entire money plan every year. Um, and I've seen it, quite honestly, be kind of devastating in my own life as well when you don't have yeah. the right coverage and you don't really know what your plan covers. So um, that's a little bit of a sidebar, but I really want to hit home with that, that that you control. Um, now, there, there might be some smaller companies, right, that have one plan, you know, it's either this or nothing at all. Um, you could also choose that as an option, um, you know, but... Just be aware that you do have some choices um, and don't take them lightly. Yeah. I, I wanted to give this a little extra attention because to your point, typically you do have some options. And if you're not really looking behind the curtain, you can miss something that's very foundational to the rest of your money plan. And so sometimes when you go for the cheapest monthly premium, I'm just going to use this as an example, but imagine you have the opportunity to get coverage for $200 a month. And, and let's say it's just individual coverage. Well, if you don't look behind the curtain to see like, what does that actually cover? You might miss the fact that there might be like a high deductible. So maybe there's a $10,000 deductible. And so yes, you're only paying $200 a month, but you have this $10,000 deductible, which means the first $10,000 is on you. Well, if you know that the first $10,000 is on you, but you don't have say like a $10,000 piece of mind fund, otherwise known as an emergency fund, This see how that, that decision has a ripple effect and an impact on your money plan. Then maybe you have a second option where maybe it's more like $400 a month, but then there is no deductible. And so depending on your own personal health and how often you need to visit the doctor's office or what have you, that $400 a month Although it's costing you double without a uh, 
$10,000 deductible might be what's best for your financial situation. And so these options are important to look and scrutinize a little bit more closely to figure out not just what is the monthly premium, but what is the value I get for that monthly premium? Yes, thank you for breaking it down um, in a much more, <laughs> much more understandable way than I did. That's exactly it. And and you know, I have lived this um, so many times over with multiple surgeries. I've had seventeen surgeries. Um, my son has type one diabetes, a lot of medical supplies, a lot of prescriptions, you know, a, a lot of doctor's visits and labs. And <clears throat> it greatly affects your monthly budget, your yearly budget. Um, if you don't know what your health insurance covers and, um, take it from somebody who has lived it. It's not enjoyable, any piece of it, but knowing the information, trying to to make a, a really informed decision before you just say, yeah, let me go with the cheapest plan because you're just looking at the numbers. And let me just throw this out there, guys, because when you're going and you're buying a vehicle, you're not looking for the car with the cheapest price most of the time, the cheapest monthly payment. You're looking for the car that you really want to drive, right? You're like, oh, I love that car. That looks... And then you work out some payments. The same thing should go with your health insurance. Find the one that really is going to work best for your family. First, don't go after just the lowest monthly payment. Yeah, so important. Another big um, deduction that's coming out of your paycheck that you may or may not even know about would be the idea of... Um, retirement contributions. So some employers, they set you up with a 401k, which is awesome. Thank you very much for doing that. And if you don't make some type of declaration of how much you want to contribute to it, they may just start you at say like 3%, just using that as an example. So 3% of your paycheck might be coming out and going into retirement, which is a great use of your money don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, hey, you should look at your pay stub to see if you're uh, being you're contributing to a retirement plan that you didn't kind of select. But at the same time, I do want you to look at your paycheck to see if you're contributing to a retirement account. And I want you to get involved. I want you to make the decision how much of your paycheck should be going to that. Does your company offer a match? You know, maybe you're doing 3% so that you get a 3% match and now you're contributing 6% of your, your uh, annual salary into a 401k. And that's fantastic. But more importantly than that, I want you to take the next step and actually engage with the 401k um, financial institution so that you can select how your 401k is invested in all those. That's a different topic for a different story, but it all goes back to it's foundational that you know what's coming out of your paycheck so that you have awareness and insight to, am I contributing to retirement right now or am I not? Would I like to? How much? And when it's being invested, what is it being invested in? That and also know that those retirement contributions are coming out pre-tax, a lot of them. There might be some option mm. for post-tax. And so when you're, this is important to know because you might hit the monthly or the yearly caps, right? How much you can contribute to these retirement accounts. And so the percentages that you're contributing, right, are based on pre-tax numbers. So gross pay versus 
the net pay, the after taxes, right? And so that's just important um, information to know. You guys should know when these things are coming out and how they're calculated and retirement contributions are most of them. There, there are a few options that might be post-tax. Most of them are pre-tax. Yeah. You know, that reminds me of uh, old, uh, I, and this probably happened on multiple TV shows, but gr growing up in the era that I did, it was Fresh Prince of Bel-Air for me <laughs> when I think like Hillary gets like one of her first paychecks and she opens it up and she's all like, who's FICA and what's this? And, you know, it's just not having an awareness of what is coming out of your paycheck. And, and sometimes it can, it, these all can add up to be hundreds, if not sometimes into the thousands of dollars um, coming out of your paycheck. A couple of other things to keep in mind that I don't, I don't know that we need to spend any like real time on is, but just know that things like if you're contributing to a life insurance policy through work that, you know, that's being deducted from your, your pay. Um, if you uh, have union represent representation, you know, if you're in the, uh, the, the UF, uh, oh, wow, I had it, UFCW, you know, out in California or something like that, you have union dues. So those things are coming out. Um, if you have like a flexible uh, spending account, through health insurance so that uh, you have the ability to save some other pre-tax dollars towards medical expenses. Um, but wage garnishments, you know, I had a client come to me, uh, I was going to say recently, but now that I'm thinking about it, it might have been like well over a year ago. And his biggest concern was um, that he was, he was receiving documentation that they were about to take uh, garnishments out of his wages and and uh you know he wanted to plan for how do i manage that and and those types of things and so that could be another one that's uh showing up um on your paycheck as well and it, it's affecting your net pay it, you know you know your gross salary might be seventy seven thousand dollars but you're bringing home far less than that because of these these types of deductions yeah, and I just want to point out too, Nino, that you know we talked about some of the, the areas that you do have control over, right? You know, health and pre health insurance premiums, you you have a little bit of control over, you know, how much um, is being taken out. Your retirement contributions, that's where you've got some control over. You know, your your net income, your HSAs, your FSAs, your life insurance, um, and those garnishments. Even to a certain extent, you could have some control over that, and so. I just want to bring that back around for all of our listeners that you guys have a lot of areas within your deductions where you have control over. So you can be bringing in potentially more net income into your household every month or setting yourself up, dare I use the word better, right? Um, long-term by using these things strategically in your money plan, right? So you're setting yourself up for those retirement contributions to be taken out pre-tax, the HSAs to be contributing, right? There's, you have a lot of control in this area that I think most people just aren't aware of. Yeah. And so I think I want to highlight, you know, the financial impact here is that it's going to affect how you plan, how you save and how you invest. Mm -hmm. But to your point, Sarah, like you have control. Don't set it and forget it. Don't, don't just agree to $16 an hour, $45,000 a year without looking at your pay stub and seeing what's being deducted 
and and taking control over those deductions and either increasing, decreasing, but you control and help it to set the rest of your money plan. Absolutely. And and just know that it it affects your money in a lot of different areas and it also can affect your mental health too. Right. I, I hear and, and talk with a lot of people that are like, dang, I'm just not bringing home very much money. And I say, well, let's take a look at your pay stub and let's see what's going on. You know, mm-hmm. I think we get so focused in cutting back on some of our expenses, right. Or getting a side gig, not saying either one of those is good or bad. However, maybe you need to be looking at your pay stub. And here's the thing too, guys, mistakes and accidents happen. It is so important that you look at your pay stub every time you get paid because maybe there's hours that didn't get accredited to you, right? Maybe they, they, um, a mistake on something, right? Maybe they didn't get all the days that you worked. Maybe they gave you an extra vacation day. Your paycheck is a little bit larger than what you anticipated. Look at your pay stub and figure out why, right? You need to be aware of these things because accidents and mistakes happen. None of this is foolproof. And I say this is an area that I think we put in, in other people's hands that we have, um, really an obligation to ourselves to keep, to keep an eye on. So please look at your pay stub. If you don't know where to find it, go ask the, the HR department, ask your boss and say, listen, I really need to know where my pay stubs are. Please go and find it and look at it every time you get paid. Please, please. It will literally take you less than five minutes. Yep. You know, um, before we hit the word record, you had mentioned something, Sarah, that I think uh, bears repeating for our listeners to hear. And that is, you know, ever since going digital, right? I mean, Mm. we don't receive a paycheck in the mail or we don't get handed a paycheck on Fridays in the office or at the restaurant or whatever the case may be because of direct deposit, you know, our money just kind of shows up in our bank account and our pay stubs, since they don't need to hand us a paper paycheck, our pay stubs have become digital too. And they're online. And to your point, far too often people don't know exactly where to go to find that digital copy of their pay stub. And so uh, I appreciate you encouraging our listeners, like go and find it, you know, reach out to HR, reach out to your boss. If you work, you know, for a a small business and it's just you, three other people and the boss, well, Hey boss, where do I find my paycheck? Um, Because, you know, I need to know what's going on. So I really appreciate that. Hmm. Well, I think, again, it's just, it's okay to voice that and just, it's okay to say, hey, I, I haven't looked at it before. I don't know where to find it, but now I'm going to, right? Here's where I'm changing some of my habits. Mm-hmm. If you listen to an old episode, you know, we kind of talked about you can change some, um, you know, some of your habits and behaviors. This is a great one. Just because you haven't done it in the past doesn't mean that you can't start and you, you can start today. So start researching. Where do I find it? Who do I need to contact to get passwords or the websites or, or what have you? Um, and then just make it part of your weekly or, or you know, bi-monthly um, part of your budgeting, right? When you're sitting down and you're putting together your money plan for the next pay period, gosh, then you get to go in and look at your pay stub, make sure everything is the as it should be, and done. Yeah. Yep. Speaking of past episodes and um, some past uh, advice that is 
relevant now is one of the things that we said, one of the strategies that you can maximize your net income is by looking at your tax your tax withholdings. And, you know, real quick, I did a, a, a research, uh, uh, I researched how much the average tax refund has been in 2023. And the average tax refund in 2023 is $2,700. That means you've overpaid your taxes by $2,700 throughout the year. If you divide that by 26, if you're paid biweekly, that's $105. You can give yourself a $105 raise today by adjusting your tax withholdings. Now, don't go off and do that without researching for yourself. You know, what was your tax refund or uh, how much are you on the hook for tax-wise? But just to give an indication of if the average um, American household is getting a $2,700 refund that means that they overpaid and there's an opportunity to increase your pay um, just by making a, a, a simple adjustment. And then the idea that I kind of want to maybe end uh, this, this particular episode on is this idea of like, you get to negotiate your compensation. <clears throat> if you are not somebody who has ever done that, do some research on tactful, skillful ways of doing that. But as you, as you mature in your professions, as you um, gain expertise and experience, and as you differentiate yourself from other people, whether you're going into a, a job and, and they're making you an offer and you're countering that and negotiating that way, or you're in your role and it's time to negotiate a, uh, a pay increase, negotiate your salary. Everything is negotiable. If you don't like how much you're being compensated, make it known um, and, and do it in a tactful and professional way and, and showcase your value so that you can be compensated accordingly. I love, love, love that. You know, Nino, for many years, right, we've been told, don't talk about what you make with your coworkers. Don't mention how much you're making. And now there's kind of a theory, and I don't know where it started, um, but now a lot of places are encouraging people to talk about what they're making because some businesses are kind of maybe being shady with it, you know, Um hiring people for less than maybe what they're really worth, right? Or you hire one person for say 19 an hour and you hire another one doing the same job for 15 an hour to try and save some money. That's not right. Right. If the skill set is yeah. the same, I just had a conversation with my daughter yesterday on this. Um, she's been working at a place for, I'm going to say probably a year and a half now. And she was telling me that somebody was hired that's making 50 cents an hour more than than she is. And for a year and a half, you know, and to hire somebody doing the same job. Now, do I know exactly what the different skill sets are? Absolutely not. But what I encouraged her to do was to go to the people in charge, you know, to her superiors, um, and talk with them about that and say, listen, guys, mm -hmm. you guys need to sell yourselves to companies. I think that I think that we feel like, oh, the company's struggling, so I don't want to ask for more money. 
or I'm too embarrassed to ask for more. If you are a decent employee and you know your skill set and you know that you're contributing and you're showing up and giving 100%, then I think that you should not be embarrassed to ask for more and ask for your worth because if you're really that good of an employee, the business owners, they will see that and they will do a lot of things to try and keep you there. And I think that mm-hmm. negotiating our salaries is one of the most underused strategies and techniques that, that we just yeah. take it what they say they're going to give us. We just take it and we like, oh, okay, you're selling yourself short. Yeah. Um, I have two experiences from back in my, my W-2 days um, that kind of hit the point home for me that my colleagues and I should actually talk about our salaries because um, there was just too big of a discrepancy, right? In, in I'm a firm believer that, you know, uh, experience, if I have more experience than somebody else, maybe I'm more efficient than that person. Even if we're doing the same role, maybe I do get compensated a little bit more because of my experience and my efficiency. And that, and that kind of discrepancy is fine in my book. What's not fine in my book are, are these two examples. One time I was sitting with, um, peers in which I did the same type of work that they did just on a little bit smaller scale. So like if they were, if they were managing 250 employees, I was managing about 125. So about half the amount of employees, but everything that they had to do for their employees, I had to do for mine. And so um, it, it didn't, it didn't change kind of some of the day to day functions. They were just doing it for more people. So we're going through this activity where we're talking about compensation for people who reported to us. And one of my peers was like, well, maybe we should start them at this number. I'll make up the numbers just to give you an example. But like, maybe we should start them at $65,000 a year. And I was probably making like just a couple thousand more than that. And I'm like, if you think you should be compensating the person who reports to me at about the same that I'm making, how much more are you making than I am? Okay. That was the first like little bit. The second is a very similar where I was in a role where I was very, I was very well compensated, uh, very pleased with um, where I was. And um, they, my path to that particular uh position was very unique. My path to it, it was an independent contributor position where I didn't have anybody reporting to me, but I was compensated very, very well because I had come from management. So my path through Mm -hmm. management kind of increased my pay and they decided we're not going to decrease your pay. We're actually going to give you a pay raise and put you in an independent individual contributor position. I'm like, Thank you. I don't have any of the responsibility and you're going to pay me more. Cool. I'm fine with that. But when I learned that my counterparts made as much as $25,000 less than I did, I was like, yes, I have more experience and more efficiency, but I don't think I had $25,000 a year more experience and efficiency. And so I almost felt like, I would be doing my counterparts a disservice to not inform them that Mm. they could be compensated 
much better than what they were being compensated. And so I like the idea of an open dialogue around compensation so that two people who are in the same role, they don't have to make the exact same number, but there shouldn't be a $25,000 discrepancy between what they're making. Agreed. Agreed. And, you know, and I don't want to get into a lot of, you know, touchy subjects, but I will say that it's also important to bridge the cap, the, the gap between what male and females make at jobs, because that has been proven that there's a difference, you know, there's a discrepancy or different ethnic, ethnicities. <laughs> ethnicities, yep. <laughs> that didn't want to come out. Right. Where, so I think that we do need to be talking about it. And I do want to encourage you to talk about it. And again, I'm not saying that everything needs to be exactly equal, which I know that's not what you're saying either, Nino. Right. Mm-hmm. But it is about um, making sure that everybody's fairly compensated for the work that they're doing in similar roles. Right. And, and um, the only way to know that is if you're talking about it. So negotiate those salaries, folks. That's right. All right. Well, this is one of those, again, amazing conversations. I'm so glad that we've had it in that uh, we're talking about the foundational necessity to understand the difference between your gross pay and your net pay, and that uh, we're encouraging you to go out there and get compensated uh, for your value. Um, and part of that is educating yourself around you know, what are others in similar roles uh, making and whether that's you can have that conversation with a colleague or it, you know use tools on the internet that tell you uh, what the going rate for somebody in your position is in your area you know there's definitely resources out there absolutely i think that does it for this you know so i'm going to back it up so so glad we had the conversation and as we always do we'll continue our conversation next time Thank you for listening to the New Money Habits podcast brought to you by New Money Habits and Keeping Up with the Joneses Financial Coaching. Submit your questions to our hosts by emailing podcast at newmoneyhabits.com. Be sure to subscribe to be notified of future episodes. Join our growing group of like-minded people on Facebook and follow us on your favorite platform. Music provided by Summer School.